What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. For those of you who don't know, I'm your host, Ken Gunter. I'm here every week, folks. And you know who's not here every week? Our guest today, Adam Sandal, known to many as Professor Pull-Ups. I was really excited about this one because uh, like a lot of folks, right, pull-ups is something that I've always wanted to get better at. And as some of you have heard on previous podcasts, I'm actually trying to break my own Guinness World Record. Well, this guy holds not one, not two, but three Guinness World Records. I don't know if he holds those all currently, but at any at any point, he's actually held three different pull-up world records. And <laughs> what's absolutely incredible is that uh, the record that he holds currently is for most body weight pull-ups in one minute with 68. 68 reps, more than one pull up a second. I'm going to link to the video. It's absolutely incredible. He's actually had to defend this record a number of times, uh, which is really interesting. We talk about that a little bit in the show. Other records that he's broken, most pull ups with 40 pound backpack on, most pull ups with an 80 pound backpack on. So it's, it's a very niche record, but I just think it's so interesting and something that we talk about a little bit in the show, right? No matter what your athletic level is, you know how difficult it is to do a pull-up, especially a body weight pull-up. So I think that can put in perspective just how incredible it is, you know, the stamina and the strength and the endurance that he's built up when doing pull-ups. What's even more interesting is that he's just not some meathead pulling himself over a bar every day. He is also a professor of philosophy at Harvard University. And uh, what I thought was was really fun was to hear how he actually draws parallels between both of his passions, his passion for fitness and his passion for philosophy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting because I think incorrectly so people have a perception of philosophy, as he says, being really abstract, kind of really out there. And that's not the case at all. Right. He almost talks about it as like the ancient self-help gurus of sorts. So. This was a lot of fun. I think people are going to take a lot away from this one. It actually changed my perspective on kind of how I view the pursuit of my own goals and, and how I approach certain aspects of my own life, which I thought was really helpful. Uh, what's also helpful, if you're enjoying the show, leave us a rating and review. Like I say every week, I cannot tell you how many folks have reached out to me and and given positive feedback. And it's just such a pleasure to be able to interact with people that you've never met you know, they have no reason uh, to know me other than this podcast and to start a conversation and have something to talk about. So it, it's been great. So thank you to everyone who's done that. Like I said, you know, if you can leave a rating in Apple always helps, it's going to help us continue to get great guests and it's going to help other listeners find the show so we can keep growing this thing. On that note, stick around for the end of the show where I run it by my wife, Sonia. She has some surprisingly hot takes on today's episode didn't necessarily jive with everything that was said. Most most of her bones to pick are with me because Adam Adam's Adam's great. So with that, without further ado, let's welcome Adam to the show. I gotta get up. I got too much to do. Yeah, I gotta get going. I gotta talk to you. First and foremost, thanks for thanks for agreeing to do the show. 
Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. So we were just catching up. Uh, you're still up in the Boston area quarantine, like the rest of us. How, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I've been enjoying watching your Instagram account and seeing that you're still getting the work in how, how, uh, how's it been trying to get workouts in during this time? It's different, you know, it poses a unique challenge, but I set up a door frame pull-ups bar, which is surprisingly strong. I'd yeah. recommend it to folks out there. Just very simple old school screws into the doorway, actually not, not screws. You just kind of, uh, twist it and it stays in the doorway. Right. It's uh, weighted pull-ups. So that's good. And, you know, I got a little fancier and set up an outdoor pull-ups bar. Uh, fortunately, uh, my parents live nearby, set it up in their driveway. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm shocked. I'm shocked to hear that you didn't have a pull-up bar in your house already. I feel like most people would expect, the man who set so many pull-up world records would be like doing them upon waking and going to bed. But it's good that you finally got your hands on one there. It is. You know, I, I actually like to separate my workout from what I do at home to some extent. There's something mm. about getting up, walking or driving to the gym and just getting into the mindset of the workout that under normal circumstances, I I really benefit from. But of course, yeah. these days I've had to adjust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Well, and uh, I mean, that seems to be all the rage right now. Everyone uh, is publishing what they're doing at home to work out. So if you're able to still get out of the house a little bit, even if it's just getting into an outdoor pull-up bar, I mean, you're, you're faring far better than a lot of folks are. Um, so wh where do you typically work out at? I work out typically at a gym. So yeah. uh, local Boston sports club, uh, in Alston, Massachusetts, also at some CrossFit gyms, um, uh, a training partner of mine, uh, and a friend of mine who I work out with, who's actually another, uh, Guinness world record setter, uh, worked out <laughs> at gym. yeah, so we can get into that, but, uh, he yeah. works, works out up in Marblehead. So we work out at a CrossFit gym, you know, every week, every, uh, every two weeks head up there to Marblehead. Sometimes he comes down here. So that's basically, my zone, but I love outdoor pull-ups bars. So during the spring yeah. and summer, um, you know, in these days, I mean, actually now the parks are getting closed, but I think it's nice to get outdoors and be able to work out, uh, yeah. under the sun. Yeah. You know, I, I've been trying to make a point to just like find excuses to get outside. Not, not just even when it comes to working out, but just like at this point in my life, it's like, I spend all day behind a computer you know, and it's like just any excuse to get outside and get a little natural light. Like I, I jump at the chance. Absolutely. You know, and I know you played football, so that's outdoors and yeah. I love playing baseball. So, you know, the smell of fresh cut grass in the spring, it's like, you miss that if everything is indoors, yeah. everything's in the gym. And, you know, the, these days when indoor spaces are kind of shut down, it is nice to get outside and to, uh, breathe the fresh air and kind of reconnect, uh, with nature as you're, you're engaging in your athletic activity. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny. I, I, we had on, um, it hasn't gone live yet, but it's going to soon. Uh, a guy by the name of Nick Littlehales, he's a sleep performance coach and he's worked with a lot of elite athletes, uh, in sports. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Professional teams in Europe and the States. And he is a big believer that just like the exposure to the amount of light that being outside provides is like one of the most critical things you can do just to kind of like properly set your circadian rhythm. Um, so, you know, after, after talking to him about that, it's just like, I, I gotta get outside more. Even when I think I'm getting a lot of like, you know, not natural, but light 
just by working indoors under like brightly lit conditions, he's like, no, it completely pales in comparison. He's like, you have to get outside to get the benefits of that. Yeah. They say it's the cure for jet lag. That's right. Yeah. I was reading about that and there's, um, aren't there the, like those jawbone headphones that actually, what am I trying to say here? It's like, rather than having to like receive the light visually, there's some way that you can actually like receive the light through like your jawbone. Have you heard about this? I haven't. It makes no sense. And as I say it out loud, I'm like, that doesn't sound like it checks out. I'm going to follow up on that. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. But uh, yeah, I've heard that that's one of the cures for jet lag as well. Huh? Just get outside. Yeah. Get outside. So you, you brought it up. So yeah, I, I played football at Princeton and then you, you played baseball at Harvard, correct? Around the same time. Around the same time, yeah, I played for a couple of years. You know, I was playing JV ball, so it wasn't, you know, an all-year-round commitment. But I grew yeah. up on baseball, and until I was maybe 16 years old, I wanted to be a professional baseball player when yeah. I grew up and uh, played it super avidly throughout high school. And then in college, I kind of realized that that probably wasn't going to happen. Um, but at the same time, I also just developed different interests and branched yeah. out um, uh but just have always loved sports and, and being physically active. Yeah. And, and that's a good segue too. So for those who don't know you, right, like in the intro, uh, you know, they're now aware that you're a multiple pull-up world record holder, but uh, I feel like that probably only represents a very small percentage of what you're actually about. Uh, do, do you want to give people a little bit of background about what you're currently doing? Yeah. So I trained to uh, set Guinness World Records in pull-ups, of course, and I currently hold the record most pull-ups in a minute uh, with 68 reps. Yeah, which which for people who haven't seen it, if you're listening to this, you have to go and watch it because it is absolutely incredible. One, that he's able to keep up the pace that he starts out with, but two, just how effectively you get in all those pull-ups in such a short amount of time. Oh, well, thanks. You know, it's, uh, it's tough work and, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a cool record to have, but Mm -hmm. what I love most about it is the, uh, the opportunities that it opens up, the the people that it allows me to meet and the way of life that it represents. So that's kind of one side, um, of myself. And then the other side is, uh, uh, that I teach philosophy. So I have a PhD in philosophy. I've been teaching, undergraduates at Harvard, uh, since 2013. Uh, and part of my, my, uh, way of life really is to connect these two disciplines, fitness and philosophy. And I see Mm -hmm. the two as intersecting in many ways that, that people might not, um, immediately think of, um, so I'd be I'd be thrilled to talk more about that, but of of course also about my training. Yeah, well, no, let, let, let's talk about that because you know I think when most people think about philosophy, they think about the exercise of chair up on a table, and the professor says like, "Hey, tell me tell me why this chair exists." Right. So uh, for the person who might not be well versed, you know that that might feel like a big leap connecting fitness to philosophy. So I guess from your perspective. You know, what, in, in what way do you feel like those two worlds um, start to collide? So I think it's unfortunate that philosophy is often taught that way in a very abstract manner, hmm. uh, exactly as you describe it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but 
philosophy as it was originally conceived, at least in the Western tradition in ancient Athens, was not at all abstract. In fact, it occupied mm. the same position as a lot of self-help literature does today. Philosophy was about how to live well, Interesting. about how to attain happiness. So it was of immense personal significance. Mm-hmm. If you go back to Socrates, Plato, who wrote about Socrates, and yeah. Aristotle, their abiding focus was on how to live the good life. And what they presented uh, was a conception of life um, according to which happiness isn't just about pleasure. Mm-hmm. And it's actually not even about accomplishment in meeting your goals, but about living in a way that's virtuous. And, mm-hmm. and, but, but virtuous in a way that's personally empowering, not just like be nice to other people, don't lie, cheat, steal, like all the yeah. basics. Like, yeah, sure, that, but, but more than that, coping with adversity, hmm. maintaining a sense of self-possession throughout the twists and turns of life. Yeah. Um, and, and so they were very much attuned to this ideal of harmony of soul that would keep you in equilibrium throughout your entire life. And their whole project was articulating um, the qualities of character um, necessary to, to attaining that kind of harmony. So it was very personal and very relevant to, right. to everybody's life. Yeah. And I, in the, in the, uh, minimal exposure that I did have to philosophy, um, I do remember a lot of it being about, you know, like to your point, character and, you know, how do you find familiar fulfillment? And if I'm remembering correctly, it's like, how, how are you, um, you know, like, I guess, I guess, how are you like delivering value? is something that I took away from that, right? Like, like, how are you living, like, to your point, a virtuous life? Um, and it's interesting because, like, you know, there's always, and it's just like an urban legend of the kid who walks out of that uh, that midterm with the chair question and writes down what chair and he passes the class. Yeah. You know, and like, I yeah. love those tall tales. But, uh, yeah, I, I love to hear your take on it. So how then do you um, tie that to fitness in your own life? Fitness is very goal oriented. I mean, it, mm. it is for all of us. For me, of course, I want to set records and I want to win competitions. Um, for for everybody, I think who's involved in fitness, um, you want to do well. Whether it's a personal best, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's just shedding a little bit of weight, putting on some muscle, it's a very goal oriented activity. Yeah. But at the same time, it's easy to get wrapped up in your goals in a way that's self-defeating, where you start defining mm. the worth of the activity um, and your self-worth in terms of whether you accomplish those goals. How close yeah. am I getting? Oh, it's so distant. You know, I suck at this. Um, where I think philosophy comes in is that it helps give us perspective. Okay. It teaches us to embrace the journey of life, the process, that it isn't just about the end result. Sure, we set goals for ourselves. You know, we want to set lofty goals, but... What philosophy teaches is that there's a kind of intrinsic virtue and intrinsic joy in being in the middle of an activity, engaging mm. in it, um, and seeing it as a journey, a story of personal development and empowerment. And that's the perspective you get 
you know, from a guy like Socrates who probably never lifted a weight in his life. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he, he may have, he may he, have, we can't confirm have. nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> we can't confirm nor deny, but he lived his life this way, you know, whether yeah. he lifted weights or worked out in the gymnasia, which were <clears throat> sort of popular in ancient Athens, that he had this joy for what he did, which was philosophy. He loved to talk mm. to people hear what they were about, have conversations about justice and the good life. And he would, um, he, he would just take joy in the activity. Mm -hmm. And he never wrote books. That's why we need to read Plato to learn about Socrates. And he never had a job. He was just this kind of oddball guy who took such joy in talking to people. Yeah. And I think it's a powerful lesson. We can translate it to working out in the sense of like embrace the process, embrace the path. And, and then, you know, eventually, hopefully you meet your goals. But what matters most is to keep that journey in view. So that resonates so much with me. And because in so many ways, I, I fall short in that regard, right? It's very easy for me, whether it be in fitness or it'd be some sort of goal that I have in, in some other aspect of my life to get frustrated at the time it's taking for me to get to my goal. And, and something that I am consciously actually trying to get better at. And I, I think there's a lot of people in a lot of different areas of society trying to talk about this, like enjoy the process, right? Everything from like, Eastern philosophy to, you know what I mean? A philosophy, uh, <laughs> professors. Right. But, um, yeah, this idea of like enjoying the process is something that I think is so easy to miss out on. Right. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. So in, in addition to this, um, I also have a, a pull up goal. We can talk about that a little bit, but one of the goals that I had that I set within like the last six months was I wanted to, I wanted to bench press 400 pounds. Damn. And I got to, I got to a place that where, uh, like I was there, you know, like if not to get too into the, the workout, but like all my rep percentages, everything was like indicating that I was there. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I did a final workout before I took a little break off where I, I basically got it and I should have just gone for it that day. And I didn't. And then when I tested it recently, like I missed it and I felt like I was way off and I just was so defeated. You know, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, I just wanted to check this box off. Like, been working for this thing for so long. Um, and I just like, I, I could feel how tied up I had gotten in the result of the attainment of that goal. You know, and it's like, it, really, it needs to be about like enjoying that process of working towards it. And so it's, it's easier said than done, I think, probably for a lot of people. And a lot of people listening are like, yeah, trust the process. That's great. Yeah. But like, I kind of just yeah. want to get there now. Yeah. So th there are a couple of things that I do. And of course, mm. I struggle with this as well. I think it's universal. Yeah. Um, but I tell myself a couple of things. A lot of people, yeah. when they're thinking about a goal, they'll think to themselves, what if I fail? Mm. What if I lose? Yeah. Um, and I flip it and I ask myself, what if I win? Mm-hmm. Because what's so interesting is that we set a goal and we work so hard to attain it. And then finally we do. And we're happy for a little while, right? We're, we're you know, maybe super pumped up and give it a shout of uh, a victory and, you know, yeah. like 
Conan the Barbarian, you know, <laughs> roar or something. The big celebration, the big yeah. celebration, the end of the workout, you know, whatever it might be. Workout or anything else in life, you pop some champagne and celebrate with your friends and, and have a good evening. But then you wake up sooner or later, maybe even the next morning asking, well, what now? Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's like we invest so much in the goal and then we realize at the end of it all that actually meeting the goal was great, but now we're looking for a new challenge. It's never yeah. ending. And, and that's a good thing. It's never ending in a good way because I think what that teaches us is that any achievement uh, is fleeting. You know, hmm. it, it, we set it, but then we, we want something more. And what is that something more? I think it takes us back to this idea of a journey or the adventure yeah. years from now. Let's say you hit that 400 bench, because I know you're going to hit it eventually, but 400 bench. What's the story that, that you're going to tell to your friends and, and to your kids you know, 20, 30 years from now? It's not just, oh, I, I bench 400 pounds. Right. It's a number. People will say, oh, that's cool. If they work out, they'll know it's strong. Yeah. But what was the path? You know, what were the, who were the people you met? How did it structure your day? How did, mm. how did that, those training sessions carry over uh, to your professional life? What, what lessons of character did you learn? And I think yeah. that's what will continue to live and inspire and intrigue people much more so than the number itself. So it's, it, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's easier said than done, but I try to tell myself that what if I win? Mm-hmm. And so when thinking, what if I win? Cause like where I thought you were maybe going to go with that is sometimes when setting a goal that, that might seem, you know, like big or perhaps daunting or, you know, really difficult to achieve. A lot of people let negative self-talk kind of distract them from that. Right. So for me, maybe with this podcast, it's like, well, what if I launch this podcast and I just completely fall on my face? What if no one likes it? What if no one listens? What if no one wants to be a guest? You know, like those sorts of like negative thoughts. Um, and oftentimes it's like, well, what if it works out? Like, what if I meet really incredible people? What if I have great conversations and people listening get a ton of value out of it? Um, but, but for you, you know, when you think about it in terms of like, and I think the phrase you said was what, what if I win or what if I achieve yeah. it? Right. Yeah. Like, like how, how are you positioning that in your mind? Like what is the way that you're like structuring that outcome that kind of like still gets you excited about it and, and kind of refocuses you on enjoying the process? Yeah. Well, I'm always excited about the the goal, especially if it's something I'm passionate about, like pull up Guinness world record. Yeah. Um, but when I say, what if I win, it's more like, I'm already envisioning myself having done it. And I'm mm. trying to, to fast forward to the situation that next morning where I'm asking what now, where, where I want more. Uh, and it's not just more wins or more reps. It, it, it's like uh, something more in terms of personal narrative. If yeah. That makes sense. Uh, and that kind of takes the pressure off of the goal, off, of, off of what I'm... I'm so, um, so intently focused on. See, oh, see, and that's, uh, I'm so glad you clarified because it's kind of like an understanding that, hey, if and when I do achieve this goal, you know, like it's an understanding like that's, it's going to be enjoyable and I'll be really proud to have accomplished it. But like, 
it's not, I'm not going to be completely fulfilled. Like there's going to be that next yearning to accomplish something else. And it's like, just kind of, is it keeping yourself aware that that's going to exist to help keep you motivated to enjoy the moment now that the process is like, what is like kind of the important aspect of working towards that goal? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. New horizons always mm. open up. And when we attain our goals, the stories, the best stories are always the ones that involve failure, setback. Oh, yeah. Falling flat on our face. And then the win has meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one of those, the old, you know, saying, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Right. Um, like all the great stories, there has to be an aspect of, of adversity right? Oh, some sort of like overcoming of an obstacle. Absolutely. So how, how, how did you, okay. So you went to Harvard for undergrad, played baseball. Um, at what point in your life did you start to get interested in pull-ups and like decide to like focus your, you know, your, your physical energy on pull-ups? How, how did that come to be? Yeah, so I, I always loved pull-ups. They were always actually my favorite exercise. Okay. Uh, from the, the moment I did a pull-up at age 17, um, my dad actually just challenged me to a pull-ups competition. And this was at the at a time when I was just beginning to pick up weights and try to get a little stronger for baseball. Yeah. And he said, how many pull-ups you got? And I remember he got on the bar and he did like 10 pull-ups, okay. which is pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. And I, he beat me. I think I got, maybe I got like six or seven, um, probably kind of messy pull-ups. Mm. And so that was, that was my first exposure to pull-ups. But then when I started training uh, initially to get stronger for baseball, uh, I started learning about all the exercises one does in the gym, you know, pull-ups, squats, power cleans, bench press, the yep. typical big lift athletic moves. Um, mm. And I did notice that pull-ups uh, were a relative strength. You know, I could rep out decently, even yeah. though I could only bench press with like 10 pounds on each side of the bar, which, you know, it's like you're 17, 18 years old and you're oh, yeah. trying to get the balance right. But right. I remember in those days, I could still do pull-ups um, mm. at, a, you know, I wouldn't say at a high level, but at a level that was pretty good for a beginner. But I had no idea that, you know, one day I would be setting world records and pull-ups, but basically it moved from working out for baseball to then my buddy, uh, Will and I in college, just hitting the gym just for the sake of lifting, you know, get, get big and get strong. Right. Right. Aesthetics. And yeah, exactly. You know, we were opening up Arnold Schwarzenegger's guide to bodybuilding and like <laughs> ripping workouts out of that, that were meant for like, <laughs> you know, guys on, you know, a massive amount of steroids. And right. Like, yeah, exactly. Really it was not efficient training, but at the time we were getting better just because at that age you can get away with a lot. And if, mm -hmm. you, if you're lifting, having not really lifted before, you're going to get stronger. So we did that. Sure. And then after college, I got into powerlifting uh, in graduate school. So I competed actually in England for four years in powerlifting and kind of. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, I did know, I did know, or I was aware uh, from your site that you, you dabbled in powerlifting, but so you actually did that in England and, and where'd you go to grad school? It was Oxford. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, so not a, not a bad resume for Guinness World Record pull. <laughs> <laughs> I always think it's kind of an oxymoron. O Oxford University, 
powerlifting team. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, it's awesome. I would, I would pay good money to get my hands on one of those t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, they're strong guys and it, it, that was my first exposure to competitive, uh, weightlifting. Mm. And in retrospect, I guess that kind of prepared me in terms of the mindset to be geared up to try to set records in something else like pull-ups, but basically mm. to make a long story short, I had, I did powerlifting for four years. Um, I liked it, but I, I felt like I kind of got the most out of the sport that I was going to get. Um, okay. I could have pushed f- harder, but my body started feeling kind of beat up. I had hip injuries, you, you know, back, pec. Um, Powerlifting's brutal. It's brutal. Um, I mean, like the demands that you put on your body, and I don't know to like what extent you guys were working out volume wise and, uh, you know, just over the course of like how you were loading it, but man, like what these guys put themselves through is incredible. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it is brutal. You got to be smart about it. And even if you are smart about it, it's just, it beats on your body. Mm -hmm. Um, and partly it's just, it's nature, you know, it's like, I realized that I was getting up to some heavy lifts. Like I, I weighed probably 155, 160 at the time I was competing, maybe more like 160. And I got up to a 385 squat, pretty good, deep powerlifting squat, 465 deadlift. But, um, it was, it was at a level where I was competitive, you know, in my weight class at a local level, but you know, there were guys who just blow me out of the water um, okay. in in my weight class still, if we're yeah. talking, like worldwide. Um, right. So when you're assessing kind of like the landscape and your potential trajectory within it, you were like, this, <laughs> this is going to be a long road that I don't know if I want to travel down. And that's what it was. Like, I didn't know if I wanted to travel that road was, yeah. was the honest truth. Like I could have gotten better, but, but to what end? And I, I just decided I wanted to return to, first of all, being outside because powerlifting was all indoors. So kind right. of get outside, um, which led me into running, which is still a crucial part of my workout. So I would do a lot of track stuff in addition okay. to lifting weights. Yeah. So I would like, I set myself goals of, of reps you know, instead of powerlifting type reps, I would be doing like 15, 20 reps uh, and then running. So it was kind of like mm. an NFL combine type thing where I wanted to be able to rep out at bench at first. Yeah. You know, like I want to get 20 reps at 225 and be able to run a five minute mile in the same week. Oh, geez. So I was like, that well, was my you lost, you lost me at five minute mile. That's where <laughs> you had me up until that point. That just sounds so terrible to me. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, so I replaced the forty-yard dash of the NFL Combine with five-minute mile. I don't know why I did that. It, it no, just it's happened. it's incredible. Well, and what's incredible, and now I think people are probably becoming more aware to that, like the human body is in, capable of really excelling at like multiple. Uh, I don't know what the right word is, but just watching these CrossFit guys, like they're they're able to have such incredible endurance and still be like so explosive and powerful. You know, whereas like that used to be, there used to be a school of thought that like you can't do both well. And then you have a guy like Matt Frazier, who's just an absolute animal. He's an animal. And, and yeah. he, shattered, he shattered that myth that you can't oh. do both. It's, it's insane. Yeah. I don't, I don't do CrossFit, but I love watching that guy. Like I'll watch that guy do anything. It's, it's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you start start setting goals for yourself that include five minute mile. You're 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 setting rep goals for yourself. So this is is this kind of like the transitional point where you're moving out of powerlifting, um, 
and towards kind of closer to what you're doing today? Exactly. So this was a transitional point. And I, I kind of eased off the bench press and veered into pull-ups. So I, I got the five-minute mile um, several times, finally. It was like I was banging my head against the wall, but I got the five-minute mile. I uh, ran a 4.56 in a race, ran a 4.58 in a race. This was back in like 2013. Okay, awesome. Um, and at that point, I was able to get like, uh, what was it? I think I, I got up to 12 reps at 225 on bench. Oh, nice. that's actually solid. And how much How much did you weigh? 155, 160 pounds? By then, I was probably down to 150, 155. Oh, that's actually incredible. Yeah, well, thanks. It was, yeah, yeah. It, was, um, it was not the 20 reps that I had set is probably an unrealistic goal, but... <laughs> but I was happy with it. So I was, I was running, I was doing those reps and then I was getting into some local competitions at the Boston sports club, uh, hmm. in my town. One of the trainers had started this thing called the gym games, okay, which was basically like a, a format where it was three minutes, as many reps as you can get, or some events was one minute. So it was strength plus endurance. Hmm. And it was in that context that I discovered that pull-ups was kind of my thing because I always loved to do pull-ups, but it was at that point when the competition was kind of ramping up a little bit and I could see where I stacked up against other guys who were stronger than me in other events, but I'd always yeah. beat them in pull-ups that I began to think like, wow, I'm pretty good at this. Okay. Interesting. So it's kind of, I mean, not later in life, but I I almost would have expected that you're like, no, I knew from the moment I was a teenager, I was awesome at this. Like I just, you know what I mean? I was great at it. And then I just kind of like developed it over time. But it sounds like you went through this whole other trajectory of like baseball, powerlifting, running, and then kind of found this a little bit later. That's exactly how it happened. So yeah, too funny. Yeah. So like at, at this point in time, like how many pull-ups, uh, if you even remember, like were you able to do like unbroken so when I started competing in these gym games, uh, I started I started winning the pull-ups. I was winning them at, you know, like 30 reps, 32 mm. reps, 36 reps. And then I kind of became known just, you know, around the gym as like, oh, yeah, pull-ups is Adam's event. He's going to win that. But how many is he going to get? So I started then focusing in on pull-ups just on the theory that this is my event. You know, I want to defend it. Plus I liked it. It just felt good. I never felt like I was risking injury on that event. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just felt built for it. So I started focusing in on the pull up and then structuring the rest of my workout kind of cross training for what would mm -hmm. make me best at pull ups. And this was now in like 2014, 2015. Okay. And the turning point was I was reading the Boston Globe uh, in July 2015. And I see a front page article just below the fold on this guy up in Marblehead named Ron Cooper, who had okay. just set the Guinness World Record for most pull-ups in a minute uh, with a 40-pound backpack. Oh, yeah. And okay. I was struck that it was a local guy, first of all. Yeah. And I thought the record was impressive, but then I also thought to myself, Hey, I can do that. I think I can do that. Maybe not, mm. not today, but give me eight, 12 weeks of training. I think I can get close. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of went out on a limb and 
and reached out to him. And I sent him a video of me doing pull-ups to, to show him that I was legit. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> not, 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 not some random straggler who's like, oh, I'm going to try and break your record. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to this day, he's, he's, uh, one of my closest training partners. He's a good friend. Uh, Oh, awesome. Yeah. He's kind of showed me the rope. So, so he generously said, yeah, come up to my gym, train huh. with me. Um, let's see what, what you've got and, and I'll show you what I do. And, uh, from there we just started meeting up more frequently. Um, mm. and you know, he was generous with sharing his workout with me and, he saw that I did some things a little different from him. Like I would do heavier weighted pull-ups and he would do more reps in a shorter period of time. And we kind of converged gradually mm. um, toward the middle and, and continue just to improvise because um, we were breaking new ground in many ways. Yeah. It really is kind of uncharted water because, you know, people have been doing pull-ups for a very long time, but like that is a very specific goal, right? Most pull-ups within a minute weighted, right? Like you're really kind of are on the forefront of trying to figure out like, what is the best way to game this? And like, how do I get, you know, the, the best results? Um, that's so interesting that he was, he was willing to like have you come out and work out with him and, and you guys kind of worked on it together. Was he still trying to break this record at that point or had he just, he was content to have done it? Well, he had broken so many records, and I think to this day he holds a, a crazy number of pull-ups and push-ups records. Oh, um, no kidding. Okay. Yeah, he's got like, you know, maybe 15 records current or something. Oh, I, really? I, I'm going to get that wrong, you know. It's okay. It's, <laughs> Sorry. Impressive. it's impressive nonetheless to have yeah, one. But, so. but the, the, he, he's got a lot of them. Um, and what was interesting is we became kind of friendly competitors, so uh, okay. we were we were both going for the same record. And what happened actually is so I started going for the Guinness World Record with 40 pounds added. Yeah. Um and my friend Will from college also is training with me for that. So we were Will mm. and I were both partnered up okay. training for it. I was also training with Ron, who held the record. So it was this like trio of of guys going for it. Plus, <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> yeah, other people out there, of course, in the world. Yeah, going for it. Um, and then it, the way it worked out actually is so. So Will and I uh, attempted to break the record in a, in November two thousand fifteen, and we both. So we met up and again, this was my training partner from college. So it was like a, a reunion. And we had a number of these throughout, throughout the years after college where we would just level up, um, in each other's company. And yeah. it would just be like, you know, all out pull-ups, dips, bench press, squats, um, see who can be the overall winner. So we had, we had this, uh, this, this, this history together of competing. So we reunite for the 40 pound pull-ups record. We both get 27 reps. The, the record was 25. We both get 27. Um, no way. okay. So we're thrilled. Yeah, this is the first record you've ever attempted. First record I've ever attempted. We're thrilled. And, and just, and just so people know too, and, uh, not to interrupt you, but to, to paint a yeah. picture, this is, and just cor correct me if I'm wrong, but this is with the weight in a backpack on your back, right? That's right. Which actually makes it a little bit tougher than uh, a weight belt. Yeah. It's terrible. 
Yeah. We could talk about that mistake I made later, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard. And it throws off like your center of balance. Um, it's, you, you kind of really have to like get comfortable doing it with the weight in that position. Exactly. So it's, it's kind of a, a different beast. Uh, it's a different groove, um, of pulling. So we're sky high after the 27. Right. You both just broke the world record. We both. We broke the world record or we think we did. And then yeah. we had the bad news from Guinness world records that they had deducted a number of reps because of too much break at the waist. Well, so what does that even mean? Break at the waist. So Guinness world records has what I would call a relatively strict pull-up standard. Now there's mm-hmm. some venues that have an even stricter standard, but what Guinness world record says is, Chin over the bar on yeah. each rep, uh, full hang at the bottom, uh, which means uh, that the elbows straighten. Mm-hmm. And the last part, which is kind of the trickiest part, is that the body has to maintain straightness throughout the pull. So you can't lift your yeah. legs and kick your knees up to generate upward momentum. Mm-hmm. Now, was I doing that on the 40 pound backpack? I've gone back and watched the video, and I'm honestly. Not sure, but I see what they're saying. Like there, I definitely lifted my knees a little bit toward the end. Uh, uh, okay, and they dinged me for it. So they deducted those reps, and they dinged me. Uh, they dinged uh, my buddy, and uh, so we were kind of just back to the the drawing board. I mean, it was a great attempt. It was still a very strong attempt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A failure in the sense of Guinness didn't approve it. So how long did it take for Guinness to get back to you with that ruling? Because their process, as someone who's looked into it, it's like it can be it can take a little while, right? Yeah, it 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 took a little while. It was a little bit shorter than I've had to wait before. Um, okay, and it's always kind of a crapshoot with exactly how long it takes them to get back. Um, but it can be anywhere from a matter of you know a week or a couple of weeks to months. Yeah, depending on the circumstance. But, but you ima- well, I was going to say, could you imagine thinking you broke the world record and then find then out months later? But I mean, this literally just happened to you. So, h- how did you handle that news? Well, of course, I was disappointed at first, but I think just because I loved to train and mm. I was hungry anyway. You know, whether I had gotten this record or hadn't gotten it, I was going to train for more. Okay. And so were you were you already on to the next thing? I was, yeah. I would the next goal, sense, I suppose. Yeah, just in the sense of upping upping the record at the forty pound backpack because that was where okay. I, I thought my sweet spot was before I mm-hmm. realized actually it was body weight. Yeah, um, you know, just regular pull ups, no weight added. But yeah, I was already thinking ahead, so I was disappointed for sure for for a few days. But you know, I I it didn't really affect my tenacity in training just because I love to train and I would do it yeah. regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't mind going into it a little bit, how, how do you approach the training for the pull-up? And we, we could certainly, if you wanted to, we, we can talk reps and sets and all those sorts of things. But, um, you know, one of the things we kind of talked about pre-show was, was talking about, uh, you know, your view of like proper technique, like to what extent, you know, over the course of your, your record breaking career, like, have you really kind of diagnosed the technique 
of the pull up and begun to like use that as a way to like inch yourself further and further ahead of everyone else? That's a good question. And I like to think of myself as a student of the pull up. Yeah. Like I, I break it down. I watch other people. Um, I observe other competitors. So fast forwarding to my current event and current record, which is most pull-ups in a minute regular. Mm -hmm. I noticed that the top, which is is 68, 68. And just, I'll say it again, 68 for people listening. That is not an error. That is actually how many pull-ups he did in one minute unbroken. Uh, (laughs) So sorry, just (laughs) people, people might not necessarily, they they might have to rewind to be like, no, I can't be (laughs) correct. No, actually, you can break them up if you want. So I, I, uh, it's it just the clock keeps ticking. Oh, wait, did you break them up? Um, yeah, I think I, I did sixty four and then four singles. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> remembering it correctly, something like that. Okay, so only sixty four straight folks and then four singles. <laughs> I, I, ret- I retract my previous statement. No, that's so incredible. Yeah, fine points. Yeah, but yeah, it's awesome. Uh, but pull up form, pull up technique. Yes. So one thing I learned after watching the competitors was to take a wider grip and to put my thumbs over the bar uh, Mm. rather than under. Now, there are a couple of reasons for this. One is that the wider grip simply allows you to shorten the range of motion. Yeah. And shorter range of motion theoretically means you can get more reps in the same amount of time, especially in a one-minute format. Uh, the, The shorter the distance you have to travel... Uh, the more reps. Mm -hmm. I say theoretical because what a lot of people don't realize um, or appreciate when they see somebody take a wide grip is that it's very hard to maintain that grip. It's not a very strong grip. Uh, And you mean like physically from the hands grip? That's what you mean? Like it's like tiring? It's tiring on the shoulders, on the back, uh, on the wrists, everything. So to, to learn to do a wide grip is a skill in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and as proof of that, consider the very first pull-up that, that you ever did. Or if you're teaching someone how to do a pull-up, you say, all right, show me what you've got. They take a very narrow grip, which right. is because it gives you more leverage if, if the grip is about shoulder width apart. And when I train today, the more weight I add to the reps, the more mm-hmm. I have to bring the grip in. Because if I, main, if I tried to do like plus 90 pounds with a wide grip, uh, it would just be impossible. Hmm. You know, and it's, this is actually one of the, we didn't talk about this, but this is actually how I first found out about, um, the records that you've set is I was training and I'm going to do it again. I mean, the world's a little crazy right now, so it's being postponed, but I, I do a decathlon. Uh, it takes place in multiple cities around the country, but in New York, it's a big one. And one of the events is pull-ups. And it's just as many pull-ups as you can get unbroken. And so I was like, all right, I'm, I was like, I'm always been pretty good at pull-ups, but like, I want to win this event. Let me go out and just see, you know, like who does it really well and what can I learn from them? And your name kept popping up. Huh. And when I realized how many pull-ups you were able to do, I was like, all right, I need to check out this guy's YouTube videos and see what on earth he's doing. And, uh, but so that's one thing that, uh, I hope you'll, you'll take it as flattery. I've stolen is the wider grip. Um, because I was like, Oh, he's, he's got probably doing that cause it's a shorter distance to travel. And in the interest of time, like, you know, that's, that's a huge benefit. Absolutely. No, I, yeah. that's, that's, um, you know, you, 
you got it for me. I got it from the competitors who came before. So there's a history to this. Um, mm. And that's it. It's a shorter distance. Uh, in many ways, it's a challenging grip. Um, the thumbs over is kind of... And you put thumbs over, yeah. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, it's a fine point. I, I find it takes pressure off the wrist uh, in the forearm mm. muscles. Interesting. But that's a very fine point, and different athletes are going to have different opinions because I see some very elite uh, calisthenics athletes who go thumb under. So obviously they think that that's better. Mm. But uh, me personally, I, I go thumbs under uh, if the weight gets much over 45 pounds added. Um, otherwise, oh, okay. I'll go thumbs over for like yeah. a one-minute challenge. Yeah. Okay. And then so you start working back to, to, it, I mean, what else for people listening? Because you'd be surprised how many people talk to me about pull-ups. And that's, and that's talking to me having no idea that I have any interest in pull-ups at all. They're just like, they broadly want to talk about working out. They're like, hey, you know, I really, I've set a pull-up goal for myself. Like, do you have any recommendations as to like how I can do more or do it with more weight? Like, the pull-up is something that I sneakily has a lot of interest among a lot of people I find. Um, so, you know, knowing that, like, just do you have any advice for just the average person out there who wants to be able to do more pull-ups? We've already talked about taking a wider grip, right? There's the finer point of thumb over. Like, what else should people be paying attention to to try and get the most out of the exercise? I would say two things. Now, the first thing I'm going to say is a little bit controversial because... Okay, here we go. I mean, controversial in the sense of just hotly contested among athletes. I'm a big believer in giving your body days to rest. Yeah. So a lot of people are surprised when I say I only train pull-ups twice a week. Mm. It went, and I think that probably runs counter to a lot... Like if you search like do more pull-ups you're going to get like inundated with programs that are like, do a pyramid, start with one and work your way up and work your way down every day, you know? So I, I, I imagine people are probably going to be very surprised to hear that. Yeah. So I go Monday, Friday, and that's what I okay. did leading up to breaking the world record. Hmm. Uh, but on those days I go super hard. And I would say that the number one exercise that I think has paid off for me um, to strengthen my pull-ups, to take them to the next level, is mm. practicing explosive high pull-ups. Oh, interesting. Okay. Instead of pulling just to get your chin over, yeah, uh, pull to your collarbone or even lower. So actually, recently, I've been getting into muscle-ups, which is another... Uh, exercise, another thing we can talk about, but basically trying to pull so high that you can get the bar to your belly button, to your belt buckle, even, which is like next level. But um, with a muscle up or with a pull up? Even just with a pull up. So you don't turn your arms over to, to do the press up you on top of the bar. Propel yourself up so fast and high that you actually can get that's awesome. All exactly. Right. So, so that's kind of the, 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 uh, that's the idea Okay. that you're just pulling so explosively and so high and, and touching very, um, low on your torso. Yeah. And those are the kind of reps that really pay off for like a max set of regular pull-ups or a max one minute regular pull-ups. 
because they just suddenly feel so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that, that, that a good chest to bar pull up is worth two regular pull ups. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah so, I guess it's that idea of like just training beyond what you're going to be asked to do in the competition itself. Exactly. It's uh, and this is a big stretch and people listening are like going to say, I don't know about that one, Ken, but it's kind of like this idea. I remember uh, when Pete Carroll was at USC, you know, w- one thing that that program was famed for was their practices were more competitive than the game. You know, like they competed so hard. I think it was on like Wednesdays uh, for basically who was going to start that week that like when the game came around on Saturday, it felt, you know, it felt like a practice in a lot of respects. Uh, Like I said, a big reach, but for whatever reason, that's what immediately came to mind. (laughs) No, I totally agree with it. Like Ron and I often talk about the workout being tougher, way tougher than the event itself. Mm. The only difference is so the event, you're giving a hundred percent effort. Yeah. Um, in the workout, you're giving a hundred percent in a different sense. It's not like you're testing your max every time. And, and you may hold back just a little bit, um, on the very last rep. So you're not straining for reps, especially early on in a training phase. But, um, the workout, because you're doing more reps, because you're doing weighted reps, because the volume is so much higher. Yeah it's tougher than the event, which is just one minute and you do 60 pull-ups or 60 plus. Um, and then it's over, it's over in a flash, but the workout, you know, I'm doing 150, 180 reps total. Um, many of those reps, usually over half of them weighted. Um, oh, wow. and many of those reps being chest to bar pull-ups, not just chin over. So wow. it's tough. People are people are probably doing some quick math, and they're like, "I don't think I could do 180 push-ups over the course of 24 hours, let alone 180 chest chest to bar pull-ups in a single session." Yeah, that's like now that that had to be something that you worked into. I mean, like, well, and actually, that that's a question that I have for you too. Is at, at what point did you make the transition from doing weighted pull-ups for the records? to realizing you might actually be better suited for just body weight pull-ups. It's, it's interesting. It, it was just messing around in training. You know, some of the sets mm. that we would do to burn out at the end of the workout, kind of experimenting with the grip, going a little bit wider, watching some videos. And I said to myself, wait a minute, I think I'm better at these body weight pull-ups that I'm doing at the end of the workout. Yeah. And cause I always go heavy to light. So start off the workout heavy, gradually yep. lighter low reps to high reps. Um, and we had both also thought that there's something very pure about just most pull-ups straight up. How it's pretty, Yeah. It's like, pretty cool. Like how many pull-ups can you do? Um, right. and to the, the connoisseurs, so to speak of the sport, we all know that the weighted pull-ups are just as hard, but just to the average Joe, it's, it's hard to, wrap your mind around what most pull-ups in a minute with a 40 pound backpack would even look like. like That's a great, a great point. It's very niche too. It's, it's niche, but people kind of have a sense of the regular pull-up because they've done it in PE class. And, yeah. and at some point in their lives, people have a sense of what a pull-up feels like. And we just felt there was something pure about it. And I, I said to myself, you know what, if, if I'm kind of good at these and there's something basic about that, exercise, let me just go for it. 
Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It's, it's one of those records um, that you're right. The average person can relate to how difficult it is. Uh, and they probably have a sense of what they think they can do, which would make what you're pulling off uh, just all the more impressive, for sure. Uh, something that I wanted to ask you about, which I find so interesting, is you've actually had to reclaim this record a couple times. Yes. So what um, a lot of folks might not realize is that it's it's a process, that getting the Guinness World Record um, and maintaining the record is a process. Mm. Because there's so many competitors out there, um, so many people going for the record that it's shifting back and forth. So rewind to 2016. That's actually when I set the one minute pull-ups record, just regular pull-ups for the first time. Okay. And what, and what was that record? That was 51 reps. 51. Okay. And what, just out of curiosity, what was the record prior to you breaking that? It was 50. Oh, wow. Okay. So you got it by one rep. So I got it by a rep. Um, Mm -hmm. 51. Only months after that, uh, an Italian guy reached 53 and a Bulgarian guy reached uh, 54. So, Oh, the Eastern Europeans got involved and (laughs) and it got real difficult. Okay. So yeah, this was 2016 and I set it in the winter. By the summertime, it had been broken twice already. Wow. And so I said, I got to get it back. And mm-hmm. I trained and redoubled my efforts and got up to 55 in September. Um, gosh, I, actually, I think we're it's September, 2017 is, okay. is when I got it up to 55. And then I stepped back and I said, you know what? The competition's heating up. Somebody's going to beat 55. And yeah. I'd seen the YouTube videos and, and the attempts. So I knew that 55 wasn't secure, even though it was currently the record. And so the number 60 just popped into my mind. And I said, yeah. I think if I put it at 60, it'll be tough to beat. And independent of that, it's just a cool number, 60 pull-ups in 60 seconds. Yeah. Well, what's fascinating to me about that too is one, that's incredibly difficult, but like, so, and again, I, it, it is, um, it does relate kind of like when I did this first pull-up test for this decathlon that I did, I had a number in my head that I could hit and I was like, oh, I'm going to blow this out of the water. But what I found was like, when you actually get into a competition type setting, like it's very easy for things like form to go out the window or you get in a rush and all of a sudden, like you do things to where like you're going to get pull-ups negated from you. Like the fact that you can have the discipline to kind of like keep your form and maintain valid reps throughout the entirety of that 60 seconds is, is one of the more impressive things about that feat. Yes, yeah, it's, it's tough. And it just takes a lot of training to keep the legs straight, to uh, keep the reps clean as you get tired and to yeah. uh, not let the form slide. Yeah. But, but yeah, it was, um, so it's been this long process. So I, I went from 55 to finally my goal of 60 and 60 seconds. I got 61. Uh, now we're talking 2018, September, 2018, a year after the 55. Um, and this is where it kind of got 
dramatic and for more than a yeah more than one a second okay all right i'm listening i'm strapped in here we go (laughs) so i'm just you know i'm sky high after getting 61 pull-ups and i'm tapering down my training phase because you know Mm -hmm. you you go in in phases and you ramp up and you taper down and this is how you keep your body healthy and strong and also just keep yourself mentally sharp, you know, just make sure you don't burn out. Um, so I'm, I'm tapering down and kind of enjoying life. And I get a call, um, only a couple of weeks later from a strange number. And it's a reporter from the wall street journal. And he said, finally the attention I deserve. <laughs> yeah. But he calls me up. He says, you've got a challenger. He, he uh, he said there, there's, this athlete, um, Anthony Robles, who, yeah. who impressed the nation um, when he won the NCAA wrestling championships with only yep. one leg. And these are the regular wrestling championships, like like yeah. national division, division uh, one, right? I think division one. Like we're talking a phenomenal yeah. athlete and just like an amazing story, a, a truly uh, gifted athlete. And yep. he said, this guy's going to attempt your pull-ups record and he's going to do it at halftime at the Jets game. Yeah, I remember this. <laughs> <laughs> and so I it was just this moment where I was like, wow, um, you know, I wish him the best. I, I didn't think he would be able to get 61, not because I, I doubted him, you know, he's a great athlete, but I just knew how hard the record was. Right. You knew what it took to do that. Yeah. And I knew what it took to do that. Um, but you know, I said I'll be rooting for him, which was true because it, you know, I like the motivation. I like the I like when it kind of gets ramped up and, and there's a story to it. So yeah, he gets up on the bar in front of these cheering fans and the pressure has got to be immense on that. Yeah, there's like 70,000 people in the stands. It's yeah, a Jets game. 70,000. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, maybe there was less actually. It was a Jets game. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Jets fans. <laughs> um, but you know, he's got this competitive background and he's not phased and uh, he gets 62. <laughs> yeah so i mean where where did your mind go so like yeah, i thought i just put this out of reach exactly for everyone at least for a while exactly so i thought i had put it out of reach i was actually going down to florida uh that december to orlando for mm-hmm. a worldwide fitness expo that had gotten a hold of me um after I broke the record at 60. Oh, cool. And so it was like the first, first time I was actually going to kind of get some sort of sponsorship, you know, not make money off of it, but get flown down and put up and, you know, I would be able to, to do a, an exhibition of pull-ups to kind of, uh, um, gin up the environment down at the expo. Yeah. yeah. I just thought, you know, I'd go down there, I'd do 50, 55 or something, you know, whatever I had left in the tank, having tapered down a bit, all right. of a sudden my plans changed. I was like, Oh my God, I, I don't even have the record anymore. And I'm, and I'm going to be going down there. I've got to go reclaim it. So yeah, I kind of, I, I shifted gears very fast, probably, you know, faster than, than is ideal. Um, mm-hmm. but I had quite a base still for my training and I was able to, to, um, really lock in f- for, for a good few weeks. Um, went down there and got 68. So you got the 68 that soon after? Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I did not realize that. So he broke it because I remember there was like a lot of national exposure around him breaking it because he did it in the Jets game and his background. So you broke it. I mean, we're talking weeks after. Yeah, it was probably I think it was six, seven weeks after something. And you decimated it, sixty-eight. So how? Wh- why do you think such a drastic jump from your own previous uh, performance of sixty-one? It, it's tough to say. I think um, in part I was lucky in the sense that mm. that um, I had I, I experienced a really good stretch of injury-free training. Now, mm. you know, part of it's being smart, and and part of it honestly is luck. That's why I say lucky that when you're training, there are times when you're kind of dealing with um, niggling injuries. You know, it's it's often nothing serious, but stuff that sets you back a little bit. Um, yeah especially when you're training at that kind of red line level of your capacity of exertion. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was taking care of myself, but I had a fortunate stretch where I was injury free. I also think that I was just very focused um, uh, in seeing is believing, you know, I, I saw him break my record. So it, it gave me the confidence that I could take it to the next level. Yeah. Um, it's hard to describe. It's, it's like, um, you see it all the time in sports though, when someone hits a benchmark and, and everyone thinks like, Oh wow, that's so hard to attain. And you think that's so hard to attain. And then someone else does it, does more or takes it even further. And then you just say to yourself, okay, it's possible. Let's keep going. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's keep this going and see how far it'll go. Yeah. It's kind of like when what, Bannister broke the uh was it the four minute mile yeah right it's like it was this impossible feat and once it was done all of a sudden it was like once people realized mentally it was possible there was like a huge influx of athletes who who also shattered that barrier um so what, what do your students think of this are they all aware of this I think most of them are, are aware at this point, yeah. you know, as I've kind of, uh, because my, my colleagues, uh, uh, in the department are, are, um, very encouraging of, of me and they post, uh, videos and stuff and cause everything's on social media these days, YouTube, oh, for sure. you know, the students find out about it. I, I think they think it's cool. It's like, ah, professor pull-ups is, is my teacher, but yeah, oh, that's awesome. Uh, so, you know, you've, okay. So 68 and I think, uh, gosh, what, I'm sorry. What, what is his name? Um, the guy who, who got 62, he oh, just broke another broke, record. Yeah. He's, he, he broke, I think 80 pound record and 80 and it was a ridiculous number too. I think he got like 24, 23 reps, maybe 24 reps. Yeah. Uh, Which I mean, it's, uh, it's incredible. He does only have one leg. I'm not going to, you don't have to comment on that if you don't want to, but that does, that does change the game a little bit for him. But uh, yeah, my mom was watching uh, NASCAR. Hey mom, how you doing? She watched, she listens to the show. And uh, she was like, someone just broke the pull up world record that I think you're shooting for. And I was like, no, no, it's already hard enough for the, the one I'm going for. But uh, yeah, he did. He did the eighty-pound record, and you're right. I think he destroyed it. So yeah, I have to double check that number. But but yeah, he he destroyed it. Yeah. So let me ask you this: um, What are you focused on now? 
Are you still are you still trying to put your own record further and further out there? I know you mentioned you've you've gotten into uh, muscle ups as well. So I want the muscle ups record, which is at twenty six. Uh, ah, okay. So twenty six and twenty six in a minute. It's consecutive. So ah, okay, I think you can pause up to three seconds. Okay. Between reps at the top. Um, twenty six. Wow. Yeah. So how, how are you getting close? Well, I've hit 20 a number of times, but it's kind of going from 20 to, to mid and upper 20s that I'm realizing is really the next level. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I, 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 I'm confident. You know, I, I've got work to do, but there's some technical issues that if I iron out and get the dip strength up a little bit, I think I've got a good shot. Yeah. I mean, how many times over your attempts, because, you know, we talked a little bit about at the beginning adversity and surely having the reps taken from you that first attempt is certainly qualifies as adversity. But, you know, like how often in the pursuit of these records do you hit that kind of wall that you're talking about where it's like you feel like you're not breaking through or all of a sudden getting to that next level just almost feels daunting? I mean, muscle ups is a great example because yeah. Yeah, I was just banging my head against the wall trying to figure these things out because it's tough. It's a very technical move. It's like a reverse power clean is how I would describe it Yeah, to uh, someone who doesn't know what it is, but who does kind of know lifting in general. Um, yeah. And I'll even attempt to describe it. Basically, it's like you do a pull up and, and kind of like you were saying before, you, you propel yourself up above the bar. And at some point in that motion, right, you kind of turn your hands over and it almost becomes like that dip exercise. And then you finish out the dip and you end up, I don't know, what's the bar at your, your thighs? Like, yeah, yeah, you're completely up above the bar. So yeah, Uh, it's a great party trick as well. (laughs) It is people. (laughs) I, yeah, muscle, people love muscle ups on, you know, Instagram, YouTube, they definitely get more views. It's like, I'll post one muscle up and then I'll post 50 pull-ups. Obviously, right. 50 pull-ups is infinitely harder, but right, yeah, right, right. we'll get more views. But yeah, it's um, it looks cool. It's elegant. Um, yeah. And I'm just, you know, but I've been trying to figure it out. And like you said, adversity, at, at first I was just stuck at like five reps, six reps, and then I kind of got to 10 reps and was, was stuck there and, and just kind of sticking with it and finding the groove took a really long time, but... I think one thing that's confidence inspiring for me and I think would be for a lot of people is that it's hard to know when you're going to have a breakthrough moment. We kind of have this notion Mm. of progress is linear, you know, that it's this kind of gradual upward straight line trajectory. But what actually happens is you're kind of flatlining for a while. Um, Mm. and then suddenly almost inexplicably you'll have a spike and you'll kind of reach a new level and you never quite know when that's coming. Um, so just trust yourself, you know, keep at it, trust your training. Um, and breakthroughs happen in the blink of an eye. It's, it's not something you can easily foresee. So if you have a goal, just, you know, stick with it. Um, Yeah. That's what I tell myself. Yeah. That's good advice. And, and so now, I mean, how, how do you approach training? And what I mean more broadly is like you have a powerlifting background from your time in England. Are you still 
is all of your training focused on pull-ups or like, are you still, do you still get to the track and run? Are you still doing power cleans? Like, you know what I mean? How do you kind of balance your approach? Yeah, I, I would describe my workout as full body. So, yeah. You know, the, uh, the riff, oh, he, he skips legs day. Right. <laughs> it's not true because, um, what, what I've learned is that to be at a, at a high level at a particular exercise, like pull-ups, especially mm-hmm. full body, if it's a pull-up or whether it's squats or whether it's even something like bench press, maybe a little bit less so bench press, but, but you have to train the full body. Mm. And what I mean by that is you train, you train pull-ups only so much for me, it's twice a week. Yeah. But you're actually training pull-ups on those other days, on those cross training days, even though you're not using your back muscles and putting your chin over a bar. Um, Mm. I feel like I'm training pull-ups when I'm hitting the track, when I'm doing 400 meter repeats and I've got lactic acid just boiling in my legs. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm, you know, and I'm trying to hit 75 second laps. So that's like five minute mile pace. And I'm trying to do eight of them and I'm resting like a strict 90 seconds in between. And, and I'm, I'm counting my, my breaths as if they were pull-ups. I actually think in my Mm. mind, as I'm running that lap, I'm doing pull-ups right now. This is the last 30 seconds of my one minute pull-up attempt. And it's that mental toughness, but also the sheer physical burn that is unlike anything else that you get from running, uh, where I feel I am training pull-ups, even though I'm not using my back muscles, those muscles are resting, but I'm still engaged in a full body exercise that is directly translating to pull-ups. And it's, it's the same with squats you know, throw a 45 pound plate on each side of the bar and wrap out for a minute. Yeah. You're training pull-ups. Don't worry. It's like your legs aren't going to grow huge if you're eating smart. And you know, that's kind of a lightish mid weight, you know, to train at that's consistent. Not only is it consistent, that will help you. I guarantee you with pull-ups because it's the same body. It's the same like neuromuscular coordination Firing mm. quickly, pushing through the pain barrier. It's it's all the same. So you're doing that. You're doing push-ups. You're doing dips. You're training pull-ups as you're doing those other movements. Yeah. No, and I, I think that also might surprise people as well. I think people might imagine, I mean, look, you know, like thinking about like, hey, widen your hands out because it shortens the distance. The, another person would be like, well, the next logical step is like have your legs be tiny. Cause then that's less weight you got to carry each rep. Um, so it is really interesting to hear that you, you do still focus on full body. And I love the idea that, uh, even though you're not using your back, right. You're always, you're always training pull-ups from an endurance standpoint. I mean, cause we talked a little bit and I think it was before we started, but, uh, the lactic acid, right? Like four hundreds. You're, I'm sure you're getting that in spades. 400 is terrible. I ran my last 400, so I thought, as a senior in high school at uh, the state track championships. And I was like, I will never do that again as long as I live. And now, interestingly enough, I still do them like once a year, basically. And they're just as terrible as I remember. But do you get that same sort of like lactic acid experience when you're doing the pull-ups in the minute test? 
Like, are you getting that same sort of like kind of unbearable burn in your arms and back once you hit that like 45 second threshold? No, it's not that bad. It's not, no, a, it's no, it's not as painful as running a 400 meter. It's just at a certain point you can't do any more pull-ups, but it's almost as if the failure hits you before the pain can hit you. Hmm. with running you can grind it out more the pain hits and you can maintain the pace and then you just feel sick to your stomach your lungs are burning like everything hurts but with pull-ups like you just won't be able to get yourself up right yeah yeah (laughs) it's different it's different but it, it does burn there is a point at like second number 40 you know 40 seconds 40 seconds down 45 seconds down then you have 10 seconds left and you're burning so and you have to keep up the pace so there is that toughness from running that kicks in on the Mm -hmm. pull-up bar, but it's not the same kind of pain. I I don't think there's any athletic activity that's non-contact where I feel the same pain as running. Yeah, that makes sense. How much time, how much mental space would you say you give your quest for pull-ups, right? Because clearly it's it's not like you just have like a day job right? You're, you're teaching philosophy at Harvard. So already that in itself probably demands a lot of mental energy. Like, you know, to, to what amount of like thought and time do you dedicate to your attempts of these records and training for these records? It ends up being two hours a day for the workout, six days a week. Oh, okay. Um, but then everything surrounding that, and you know, it like being, being an athlete, um, it's that it's kind of like everything has to click the diet, the sleep, mm-hmm. um, you know, try not to be too stressed, especially late in the day. And it's very difficult if you're working a day yeah. job and you've got a family or whatever it is you're doing. So I would say that just the time surrounding the workout, meal prep, travel, you know, you're, you're tacking on minutes and maybe an hour or, or something, but yeah. Um, I think it can, it can be done. What a lot of people don't realize is that you can become an elite athlete without devoting your entire day to it. Yeah. Uh, that you can work a day job. I would almost venture to say that, that even a, a very high level athlete, like an Olympic athlete could in theory work a day job and, and excel at their sport. Because if you look at the way they train, and I think a lot of them do. Right. I mean, I think that's because uh, a lot of these guys aren't making any money. That's a great point. So I, I should I should change that that comment actually to definitely. I'm sure there are people who are yeah. who are really um, working hard at a day job. But you even look at the way somebody like Usain Bolt trains, you know, for something like an 100 meter, 200 meter, you know, best guy in the world in history uh, at these sprint events. And Yes, he's getting extra massage therapy, extra stretching, extra everything to help him recover. But the actual time per day that he's working out is going to be pretty confined to maybe two, three hours, simply because it's not efficient to train more than that. So it's a lesson, I think, to the to the average person who just wants to get fitter, that it it's just consistency. It doesn't take much. You just have to block out a discrete amount of time per day, maybe an hour, maybe two hours, you can get to a very high level uh, mm. just doing that. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of people, and I think that's true for so many things too. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. My wife is on a quest to do one pull up. We had a experience recently where we have a little Creek in our backyard and we had a, a tree that had fallen and we were trying to cut it down and she had a life or death moment. So she thought she fell about two inches and she realized she was holding on to this tree like dangling over a creek and she didn't have the strength to pull herself up. And I've been telling her whole life that she needs to be able to do one pull up. If she ever finds herself in a situation where she needs to pull herself to safety. So, uh, we're going to adopt the consistency method. And I think she'll enjoy hearing that she doesn't have to do it every day of the week, which will be good. Yeah. But just, uh, don't tell her about the four hundreds. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Maybe we'll withhold that part of it until later in her training. Well, that's great. That's awesome that she's going for a pull up. It's, uh, it's just a great exercise and it's a tough thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they are a lot of fun. Um, how angry do people who do kipping pull-ups make you? (laughs) I'll tell you what, um, there's a lot of debate about this, but they don't make me angry at all. Oh, okay. Interesting. No, I thought I, I was going to goat you into a hot button topic. It's a hot button topic, but the way I see it, any way you can get yourself over the bar, get your chin over the bar is a good way. And mm. I take it back to functionality. Like you see, you know, in every, the pull up is a very functional movement. It, it, it's something, there's a reason why it's a staple of military tests right? Like pull yourself up, get yourself up over a wall. You're on a mission. You've got to pull yourself up. In real life, if you're dealing with such a functional movement, who's going to, who's going to care if you kipped or if you kicked your legs, let's say you've got to get over a barrier and you're on, you know, a highly sensitive mission. Um, what your, 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 uh, your buddy's going to say, Hey man, you kept that bad job. <laughs> no, you got over the barrier. <laughs> and right. that's the way I see CrossFit. It's like, it's like training to get yourself over the bar in the most efficient way that the human body can do it, which means you kick your legs and you generate momentum and it's a thing in and of itself. Now, mm. if we're talking, um, a pull-up competition, if we're talking a Guinness world record for most pull-ups, that's a different story. So I don't train kipping pull-ups because it's not useful to me. It's not useful to achieving my goals. Right. If you see some of the numbers that CrossFitters who do kipping pull-ups put up, you have to respect it. I mean, they're putting up, you know, monstrous numbers. Now it's different. It's, it's using momentum from your legs. It's a different exercise, but that doesn't make it a bad exercise. You know, there's a time and a place for everything. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I thought I'd ask. So, (laughs) you know, this, this has been great and and maybe we can just end on this, the idea of, of goal setting, right? So clearly when you have a record that you're shooting for, the goal is, is defined and, and measurable. Um, but I feel like, you know, you've become very proficient at achieving goals, you know, is there anything about your approach that you have developed over time that you found to work really well for you? Is it something that you even consciously think about? Cause I, I could also see how you might say like, the goal is so clearly defined. I just know what I'm working towards. 
you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear kind of what your approach is to that idea. I think goal setting is important. And I'm just looking back on my own trajectory in fitness, how mm. I would say I'm in the best shape of my life now having focused pull-ups. And that's full, yeah. that's full body. That's not just best at pull-ups. It's best all around. So I think goal setting is important. It gives you a reason and a purpose to go into the gym. So it's not just mm. that you're saying, oh, I'm going to do a few exercises. But no, I'm going to shoot for as many pull-ups as I can. And then I'm going to figure out all of the other parts of my body, all of the other movements that I have to strengthen in order to reach that goal. I think it's very important to have a goal. But then I also take it back to, to the journey and, yeah. and how do you attain your goal, but also how do you transcend an obsession with your goals? Hmm. Um, how, do you, how do you stay a kind of grounded and motivated and really happy person um, as you're striving for goals that you really want? And I would say one is surrounding yourself with, with great people who are going to encourage you in those moments when you're down. They're going to celebrate mm -hmm. with you, but they're going to encourage you when you're down. So that's training partners. Yeah, That's like my buddy, Will. That's like my buddy, Ron. Um, that's like the, the group Boss Life Athletics that I've linked up with recently, who I train with. They're based in New Jersey. Um, and they it's like a group of elite calisthenics athletes who enter oh, very competitions. Cool. Yeah. They're, so they're, they're into a competitive, um, mindset, but also a very supportive team oriented community oriented mindset. Mm. So, so surrounding myself with people like that. Um, and then also just trying to walk away from every day, from every workout with a good story to tell, you know, it could be a little story, but not just like, oh, I hit these numbers and came short on these numbers, but something new that I played around with. Um, a piece of advice that I got from a training partner that I can apply not only on the bar, but in other aspects of my life. So coming away at the end of the day, I think with a story to tell, um, to tell yourself, but to tell your, your kids or your friends, um, husband, wife, you know, th that's the, that's the, um, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Um, yeah. And that's, that's both what, what I, I mean, what makes our projects worthwhile, but it's also what keeps us grounded so that we don't get too obsessed with the goals and too dejected and down on ourselves when we don't quite hit those goals. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love that, uh, perspective. And, uh, that's something that I think even after leaving this conversation, I'm going to try and be more conscious of, you know, yeah, like I said, you talk about trust the process, you talk about enjoy the journey. Um, but you know, I, I think you're missing out if, because I used to, I used to be this way, you know, especially in high school, trying to go play college football, you know, sometimes my training sessions, I would be so miserable to be around because I would be so worried that I wasn't going to achieve my goal. Yeah. You know, that I would, I would just be miserable to be around and I had a great work ethic. So it all worked out, but 
yeah, now at this point in my life, you know, I would love to approach it, I think, um, from the same perspective that it sounds like you do. It sounds a lot more enjoyable for yourself and the people around you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So so for people who want to be able to follow along with what you're doing, where is the best place to do that? And and I guess, you know, from pull-ups for sure, but, uh, you know, for on the philosophy side of things too, you know, how, how can people find out more about you? Yeah. So, um, check out my website, adamsandel.com. That's where I've kind of tried to bring philosophy and fitness together and to give people a little bit of flavor of the projects I'm currently working on. So I'm yeah, actually, please, please, please. Yeah. I'm working on my, a, a book, um, that's really on philosophy, um, and happiness, but, but, drawing on fitness and oh very cool and the stories the experiences uh from from training to illuminate philosophy is something that i'm working on right now so you get a taste for that on my oh, website uh, which is adamsandel.com you can also find a, a, a pull-ups uh, training program that's really a full body training program that can be adjusted to multiple uh levels but based on my own training plan that's all on my website and and then for just the the workout videos that i post daily uh professor.pullups on instagram yeah perfect so i'll I'll link to all of this and you you wrote a book um i'm sorry my my uh notes my ipad just went dead but you also already have a published book correct from like 2014 I do. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that. So that's, that's a philosophy book. It doesn't deal with fitness, but the themes of that book, uh, tie into fitness in the sense of understanding your life as a journey. So that's a book about what it means to have an open mind. Uh, yeah. it's, it's dense, you know, I'm <laughs> warning readers, you got to like philosophy, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you can, you can check that out. But the, the book I'm currently working on is, uh, hopefully uh going to be a book that's accessible to to non-philosophers um oh wonderful anyone looking to think think about happiness and the act of life and sports uh and philosophy and how it all ties together well uh, let us know when that's ready uh we'll have you back on and i'll, I'll definitely uh help make people aware because i, I want to read that myself so that sounds like a very worthwhile project and i'm glad you're the one tackling it Well, thanks so much. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate you. And uh, we're going to keep an eye out. Uh, I guess the next record to keep my eye on is uh, Muscle Ups. Yeah, look out for it. All right. All right. Well, awesome. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Thanks so much, Ken. It was a pleasure to uh, have this conversation with you. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. You better go ask mommy, daddy. (laughs) Okay. Well, welcome to the show, Sonia. Thank you for having me, Kenny. Yeah, yeah. There's already been a whole lot that's happened. Had an interview with a Harvard professor, talked a little (laughs) philosophy, talked some pull-ups. I don't know if you realize that uh, this was actually a public service. Pull-ups can save lives. (sighs) And in your case, (laughs) you almost lost your life on account of not being able to do one. It's so it, it reminds me of Jumanji. I mean, this is probably not a lot of our listeners listeners have seen Jumanji too. Oh come on! But The Rock, Jack Black, but when Nick Jonas, 
when, what's his name? What's the sh- Kevin Hart? Yeah. Kevin Hart. Like, did I just kill whatever his name is? <laughs> I'm talking too slow. Like I always said I would. Like he said, I always would. But it's like when I fell off the tree, mm. I thought, oh my God, mm-hmm. I'm going to die because I can't do a pull up like Kenny always said I would. <laughs> I've always said you need to be, you know what? And I can't even take credit for that. It was my elementary school gym teacher. (laughs) She always told us, Mrs. Patterman, what's up, Miss Patterman? If you're listening, you need to be able (laughs) to do, you need to be able, she might be, you need to be able to do one pull up. And I think she used to give us the example of like, what if you find yourself in a bullpen not like a baseball bullpen. Adrenaline would kick in and you, like, would, you would yeah, do that And a bull up. is charging you and you have to make a mad dash over to the fence. And then you just, futility, just your little feet just kicking along the side. <laughs> you just hold and squirm and pull in. Is this as your what life she would flashes say? Or, I'm, embellishing. Okay. I'm embellishing a little bit. I don't think she gave it to us <laughs> quite, third grade so, quite so vividly in third grade PE. <laughs> She was a visionary, but uh, yeah, pull up, save lives. Yeah. What a cool show, right? It went a direction that I wasn't thinking it was going to. Same. And I booked the guests. (laughs) Yeah. Because our no good producer, (laughs) there's no one there. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome, right? So like I I already knew he was going, I anticipated he was going to be a really interesting person just based on his background. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that he's broken all these pull up world records is really cool. But then I also knew he was a Harvard professor. Enviable, huh? What's that? Enviable. Oh, huh? very enviable. I know. I want to break one. Want to break me a record? I do. You want to break one, and I want to just get one. What do you mean? Get a pull up. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get you out of the bullpen. But I really enjoyed it, and I loved his perspective. And actually, that, that's where I want to start. The first takeaway, and it's actually something that I've been trying to think about more of, and I don't do a great job, but I'm trying. His perspective on, you know, when achieving a goal, right? Like how does he kind of stay grounded and stay like passionate about what he's pursuing? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, you know, I stop and I think about, well, okay, what if I win? What if I actually achieve this goal? And when he explained it, it's not like, what are all the great things that are going to happen to me? It's like, hey, I understand that this like positivity and this high is like fleeting, you know, what happens once that's done? Like, I'm probably going to be looking for the next thing. Or so he's like that, that kind of keeps him focused on trusting the process and enjoying it. Mm -hmm. I knew that was going to be one of your takeaways. Yeah. Well, did you, well, we didn't talk about it. Why'd you know Mm -hmm. that actually? Um, it just sounded like something that you would like. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, did it resonate with you the same way it did with me? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting, but that's like not, really a good way to think about things. Okay. Do tell. No, like if you're thinking like, Oh, if I accomplish this, no, not, not the way that he thinks about it, but if you're thinking like, if I accomplish this, yeah, then like, then what, how, you know, what do you mean? <laughs> like if I accomplish you're this, taking like, a, you're, you're coming with a hot take here and now you got to explain it. I just mean like, if you're going into something thinking like, oh, if I accomplish this, then it's just like, yeah, just- I see what you're saying. Then you'd probably lose motivation and be like, oh, if I accomplish it, it's not even going to be that great. Yeah. So why bother? Yeah. I see what you're saying. I think that's probably true. Unless you're someone like 
him or you and you accomplish it something and then you're just like, okay, what's the next thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you're right. It has to be something that you know is worth your time and that you're super motivated about. It's almost like a reminder. Yeah. It's like, like I really want the Guinness World Record plaque down in our bar. <laughs> so it'll be worth it. Uh, that's all it'll I be am. worth all the time you're putting in. That's all I am to you. <laughs> Just another plaque on your wall, another notch in the belt. I don't know if there's any records that I could break. So we're going to, I'm going to need you to step up here. I'll start combing through the Guinness World Record book here. Find I'll find something? one. Uh, you know what? I wasn't going to mention this on this show. And it's not on my LinkedIn page, but I actually do hold a Guinness World Record. Oh, yeah, that's right. You do. Yeah. It's embarrassing. You shouldn't even tell people here. But I will. <laughs> it was the world record for most people twerking for a minute. You don't even know <laughs> how to one twerk, time. so I don't know. Uh, there was a brief tutorial. Oh, who, what was her name? You're going to have to show me Some later. reality TV star. It was right outside my office. I was working at an ad agency. J-Well? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, I would know that. No, I can't remember. I think it was, she had a show called Queen of the South. Oh, anyway. I don't know. But yeah, Guinness World Record. I have the paper somewhere. Yeah. I have a certificate. Actually, I wish we could find that. We should frame it. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> People are like, this show sucks. Okay. <laughs> Next one. Breakthroughs. I thought this was cool. Even for someone like him, who's like really kind of dialed in his process for training to break these records, he's like, I, you never know when they're going to come and you don't know why they happen necessarily, which mm -hmm. I thought was interesting because he clearly he's someone who, um, and not just because he's a Harvard professor, but like the way and how many records he's broken, like I figured he probably had a pretty, um, how many records has he broken? I don't know, but he's, he's broken like that same record a couple times. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he broke that 40 pound record. I think there's a couple others in there, but you know, the fact that like even someone who's taken such like a measured approach, like he says, like, look, like you just don't know when these breakthroughs are going to come. So kind of like stay the course mm -hmm. kind of counter to our first takeaway. Right. It's not like, Oh, why, why stick with it? Like, yeah, I'm doing a terrible job, but you get what I'm saying. I thought that yeah. was interesting about breakthroughs. We're sleep training this week, so our brains are a little fried. <sighs> yeah. Hey, we got bees. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got bees. Whole mess of bees. Honey bees. Honey bees. Be on the lookout, folks. Professional athlete podcast, honey. <laughs> no, it, it's it's not called that. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, it's a working title. But uh, yeah, that has been exciting. We're sleep training, night five. How's he doing? Good. He, he went right down tonight. Mm -hmm. Just kind of babbled mm -hmm. until he fell asleep. It's a big win. Yeah. Who had to sleep train him the first three nights? Uh, did you do that? Yeah, I think I did. Oh, it's funny how that responsibility that falls on the father. Yeah. That, I mean, I was shocked that that was a suggestion. We, we finally caved and got a sleep expert to write up a plan for us. So mm -hmm. she suggested that he be the one to sleep train the first three nights. And it only took three kids. Yeah. And those were by far the most brutal nights. Yeah, but it went pretty well. Anyways, it's, it's working. Yeah. We might get our life back here. Yeah. That'll be nice. Um, okay, so that was cool. What did you think about that, though? Breakthroughs. I cut you off. Um, what was I saying? Just the idea that, you know, you never oh, know when it's going to come or, or necessarily yeah. why it happened. I thought it was crazy that he went from 61 to 68. That seemed like an right? astronomical jump. It's a humongous jump. Humongous. Well, I'm fired up about it. <laughs> 
But I mean, really, like, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, because it's not he just set the record. So what he did, you know, weeks or a month prior was what he thought was his max performance. And then he destroyed his own max performance. Another thing that I always think is so crazy is like before competitions or before like attempting something like this. Yeah. It's not like you get to like practice the day before to make sure you can do it. Yeah. So it's like, you don't even really know if you could do it going in. Yeah. That there's a, you're right. And that's, what's interesting. And I want to get someone on the show to talk about peaking and there's an upcoming episode <laughs> with, with Cal Dietz. I know some people could tell you about peaking. <laughs> no. <laughs> if you see a Craigslist ad for co-host needed. Okay. <laughs> Just know why. Uh, Are you not, you're not talking about high school peaking. Oh, is that what you meant? I thought we were talking about a whole different type of peaking. I don't think I get that. Okay. Anyway. So yeah, but that's right. You really don't know. And like, there's a whole process. Like you start like kind of like dialing it back. Maybe in some cases a week to two weeks out. So like, yeah. You kind of operate like, hey, all the haze in the barn, and now I just have to trust trust that all the work I did leading up to this was enough. <laughs> because you're right, you're not going to test it the day before. You're not going to test it a week or two weeks before. Yeah. So you kind of go in blind to these things. I I would have been curious to know if he was like if he was surprised by that number. I think he was. I think he said he was right. That? I can't remember. But I th- he, well, I remember what he said was after seeing that guy break his record, he like, he knew that there was like more that was possible. It kind of like broke a little bit of a mental barrier. Mm -hmm. Like he thought, I think pull-ups are so mental by the way. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Do tell. I just, I think that I physically could actually do a pull-up, but I like psych myself out. I would like to think you could too. I'm with you. Let's get you on there. We'll document it. Uh, Okay. <laughs> we'll get you to do a, you can do a pull up. You I, got that. I, I think that I probably could, if I needed to, I know I could, but I think that even like down in the gym, I could probably do a pull up. I just like get in my head. Prove it. <laughs> maybe not like two months ago, but I think now maybe I could. Okay. Have you been, although I haven't been doing upper body. I was going to say, all, what is your, so. what is your rationale here? You've, <laughs> You've backed off and given yourself time to rest and recover and have been primed. <laughs> well, I'm not fresh off having a baby. I'm like That's true. Less fresh off. That's true. No, you're strong. <laughs> Look at the size of those ham hocks over there. <gasps> Busting out of your blouse. Ham hock? What is a ham hock? A ham hock. What is that? It's like, you know, your arms. Oh. The size of those ham hocks. Oh, okay. I thought that was like a nickname for hamstrings, and I was like, I those on your legs. Oh boy. <laughs> Let's hope people have tuned out. All right, we're running long. <laughs> this is not her best, show. not my best showing. Okay, what's no, number you're three? A, you're doing great, babe. Okay, <laughs> uh, this was a cool perspective, and this kind of is a nice dovetail off your quote about it being mental. Mm-hmm. So I asked him, like, hey, as someone who you know has is clearly focused on breaking all these records, like when you go to the gym, are you just doing pull-ups? Like, is that the majority of what you do? And he's mm-hmm. like, no, I, I do what we consider to be full body. I sprint, I lift my legs, right? I'm doing everything. Mm-hmm. And what he said that I thought was really cool, he's like, but I, I just mentally kind of remind myself that even when like I'm squatting, like I'm still training pull-ups. Even if I'm benching, like I'm still actually getting better at pull-ups. 
That's you know? true. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a really interesting way to think about it. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. It's like um, all those guys at the gym like are all disproportional because mm. they only work on their showy muscles. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you want to have the full package, you got to work on everything. The ladies just don't want, it's not just the guns. No. You know what I mean? You got to bring the glutes to the party. The ham hocks. The ham hocks are the guns. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> thought we covered this two minutes ago. I thought it was an actual muscle. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, you're the best. I'm going to I'm going to have you uh, show me where you think the ham hock is after this is over. I thought you were going to show me. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> it's right between the rhomboids and the gluteoids. <laughs> but, oh my gosh. So anywho, but yeah, I, I think it's a good perspective. Yeah. You and know, it's kind of like this idea of cross training too. Like by working in different disciplines, like you're building up different skills and kind of strengths that Mm-hmm. You know, while directly not applicable to like what you're working towards, it actually kind of does help you get yeah. better. Yeah. I have some questions for you. Oh, yeah. Let's rip. <laughs> um, can you do a pull up up to your belt, belt buckle? Uh, I don't think so. Well, you know what? I'll try. Mm-hmm. I can get pretty high. Um, but I've been practicing doing the, them really wide grip. Yeah. Did you learn, you learned that from him, right? The wide grip? You know what? I did. Yeah. Actually that's, yes, I did. Because but you I, always kind of had a wide grip, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just by nature of being like, you know, taller, wider, like it's harder, uh, to have my hands really narrow. You also can't raise your hands straight above your head. <laughs> <laughs> so your grip has to be on the wider side. It's these damn ham hocks. <laughs> Just hold me back. <laughs> I'll try. I'll, I'll I'll mess around with it. I mean, he's real. I mean, I don't have to tell you. He's really good. But I'll I'll try. We'll see. I can get pretty high though. Okay. Um, I have started okay. trying the pull ups the way he recommended. Pretty awesome. With the up to your chest. chest yeah, ups? going over, going over. So we'll post something to uh, social media mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, those are cool. Those are pretty cool. Um, what about they make it fun? What about muscle ups? Can you do a muscle up? I can do a muscle up. Can I see? That sounds so fun to watch. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I will do a muscle up. That sounds like a real treat. I will do a muscle up for your fancy if you do one pull up. Well, that's not fair. Well, hey. Carrot. You already said that you can do it. Carrot stick. I'm just going to YouTube some fit men doing muscle ups. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. I'm going to walk in. Your search history is going to be nothing but muscle ups. <laughs> like what is going on here <laughs> damn you Sandra! <laughs> so okay what else you got um what other questions you got in the holster oh, those, are my, those are my two questions let's see what else all we're doing right now is burning up cloud space somewhere so yeah i know i think i'm good that's all i really needed to know no nothing else um oh the thumbs over and under thing yeah you do under. I do thumbs over and I just forgot when he told me <laughs> like, cause the oh. next, the next morning I went down and I just, I looked, I was you like, do thumbs oh. over even when you're doing weighted. Yeah. I do then thumbs he over. said anything over 40 pounds. He puts his thumbs under. I think I do thumbs over like with a hundred pounds. Yeah. Maybe you should try thumbs under with a hundred pounds. I'll try. See if it makes a difference. Yeah. Because I would think that that would be better because it's like. 
I'll try. More stable. I don't know. Yeah, it's a little hard though when you get your hands really wide out there. It's but not. Like, he also said gotta, like, he puts his hands wrist. a little further in oh, when he it's did. heavy. God, you're listening. You're on it today. Yeah. <laughs> Snuck ham hocks by you, but you're not missing much on the pull up form. For someone who can't do a pull up, you sure know a lot about pull up form. Um. Yeah. I'm going to try the wider grip tomorrow. Yes. Although yes. you had me try the wider grip a couple weeks ago and yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't really that much of a difference. We'll give it a shot. We got to play to your strengths. So it's child, what, are, what are my strengths? It's childbearing <laughs> hips just holding you down. It's, you're all out of proportion. I don't even have big hips. <laughs> all right. Well, they didn't know that. Okay. They're just listening. It's the internet for crying out loud. <laughs> Any I more could, questions? I can Photoshop some hips in. If, oh boy! If I, if I ever make an appearance on your Instagram, <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe someday we'll get you on there. If I'm lucky enough. I don't want to ruin the surprise for those listeners who've already built up a vision of you in their head. <laughs> okay. They're like, let's see, she's got sweet, huge arms, yet can't pull herself up out of a, a log out of a creek. Uh, that was. Her husband My thinks she has so hips, but she that. says she has no hips. I know her weight from episode one. <laughs> You're putting people through mental gymnastics. <laughs> All right. But it's, it's mostly just our family and friends. So. <laughs> That's not true. We are thousands of listeners. Uh, we're actually doing really well. No, I know. A lot of people are kidding. finding the show. I know. So, hey, tell your friends. You're fans now. I'm pumped. <laughs> it's awesome it's awesome yeah it's been very cool how many people have reached out who i've n- no contact with you know what i mean yeah and i'm telling you, a lot of people internationally yeah a lot of australians very cool yeah a lot of fit people down there down under okay sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh, another shrimp on the bobby okay oh god that was worse well it was all right this has gone on too long uh, we've got another, another good one coming up next week. I'm not even going to tell you who it is. I love how you always, but that's always what you say. And then you like, usually, you usually don't know who next week. Well, I'm going through the catalog in my head of who it is. Uh, but you know, they're good. No, they are. Cause I've been pumped about all the ones we've done. You don't deal with people that aren't. Well, I try not to, but somehow you keep coming back on the show. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Delirious. Alrighty. Well, thank you for joining me. (laughs) And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. All right. See you next week.